take care of all of it. I'll take care of all of that. You just come seek my face. See the beauty in my face. See how beautiful you are to me. Thank you, Lord, how much you love us. Praise you, Jesus.
just know everything. And keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. I am yours, and you are Oh 
said my father's always at work and part of part of worshiping God and part of bringing glory to his name you can go ahead Michael you can put the lights up is when his people testify 
to his goodness. They testified to his work in their lives. When Jesus said, my father's always at work, he wasn't talking about he's continuing to create the universe. He's talking about working in people. He's talking about bringing events and circumstances and things into people's lives to turn them to him, to bring them to him. Everything our God does is redemptive. You know that? Everything he does is redemptive. Trying to bring people who are at odds with him, who are at enmity with him, to bring them into relationship with him. Everything that he does. And just because you have a relationship with him doesn't mean that he is no longer at work in you. He is working in you to bring you into a deeper relationship with him. He sang that song. Oceans. What does it say? Lord, lead me where my trust is without borders. Oh, oh. Do, you, do you have any idea what you're singing when you sing those words? Do you have any idea what you are putting out on the, out on the, on the table? Or you, you realize what you're putting in front of God? Lord, lead me to a place where my trust has no limits. Wow. Distrust is, the lack of trust is unbelief. And unbelief has no place in the life of the believer. So, how has God been working in your life? Can you, would you like to share that with us today? It doesn't have to be anything, it doesn't have to be big, but you just know it was God that was working in your life. It was God that was, that God that was speaking to you. And God that was showing you something. Anybody? Yeah. Linda. Wow. Praise the Lord. Anyone else?
me. <laughs> um, I, um, a lot of you know that my uncle passed in Nashville, Tennessee uh, a week or so ago. And uh, my aunt, Jean, who is his twin, it was very hard on her. She was there every day with him at hospice at the hospital. And I guess, you know, the twin thing, it was, it was very tough on her. Um, and then I got a call last night. Well, she texted me. She goes to bed at, like, with the chickens and gets up really early. So she texted me at, like, 11 o'clock and said, are you still awake? Can I call you? Um, she had just found out her husband, they took him in the hospital, and he has a mass, a very large mass, and stage four cancer that has metastasized. And I'm just crying because that's what we do. <laughs> As humans, that's what we do. But just hearing the peace, I mean, she, she cried. And, you know, it was just, you know, you think it's just almost too much to bear, but God knows, and he is so gracious. Your grace abounds in deepest waters. How true because I heard her just give testimony to his peace and his keeping in her, in her spirit. And she said, it's a win-win. Either way, it's a win-win. Either they'll treat him and he'll get better or he'll be in the presence of the Lord. So in our humanness, we pray and we pray for what we want, but we also say thy will be done. And that's exactly where she was at the, end of the on the, at the end of the phone call, and I thought, God, you are so good. Even in this, you're there, and you're carrying us in those times. So it's great when he works it out, and we think it's, you know, this is good, this is what we wanted, but even if it's not what we would choose, like you said, when you pray, take me where there's trust with no borders, then we have to know and have that blessed assurance that he is working in our favor, that the outcome is for our good. And he's a good father that only does perfect things for his kids. So I just, it was encouraging in my spirit to have that, that talk with her. And God was working. Oh, man, was he working overtime. So praise God. Um, as, as, as many, most of you know, 
uh, not all of you know that I have been um, I've been dealing with an issue with my back for oh, about nine months now. Started at the end of January, beginning of February of this year. And albeit I've been able to do almost anything I wanted to do, even though I was in pain, um, in the last month I have uh, I've not been able to work because of the intensity of the pain and what it does to me. Um, my, it has gotten to the point where when I walk, I have to make sure that my right leg is locked before I take the next step because if my knee is bent, my leg will literally give out. I have no strength in that leg. And I mean, when I was, and I can't work out, I can't do any kinds of exercise, I can't work. That's not me. A lot of people might say, wow, you can't work? Wow, that's really cool. You can take, you know, take time off. Now, that's not me. I need to be doing something. It's become, it becomes discouraging um, sitting at home while, you know, in an empty house and thinking of things that you need to do or things that you would like to do and you can't do or things you would do and you shouldn't do. Um, and so it's become very discouraging to me. And... Um, Today, this morning, well, let me back up. Um, this week, I was, I was looking up some scripture. Um, I, I actually can have something, I actually can do something constructive. I, I do a lot more studying. Uh, but I was, I was looking some things up in the scripture, and I was in the book of Job. And uh, I was looking for a particular verse. And so this morning, when I got on the computer to, be, to start putting the scriptures and everything on, on PowerPoint and everything. I was exiting out, I was exiting out of all the different things I had up on the screen in my Bible program. And I began to scroll down in the book of Job from where I was. I had no reason to do that. I could have just hit the, the exit and then I would have been gone, but I, it, I started to scroll. And as I was scrolling, I was, you know, I was clicking on the thing to, to cause it to scroll. And all of a sudden, the, the scriptures that were rolling by, they just stopped. Boom, stopped. Right, just right in, right in front of me. And it happened to be Job chapter 4. Now, I was intent on getting to where I wanted to go, where we're going to be this morning. But I, I just felt impressed to read that scripture, to, read, to start to read Job chapter 4. And I read the first few verses, and it was just... It was, it was, it's an amazing thing to, to see the, how God can just direct you to where he wants you to be, to where he, what he wants you to see, what he wants you to hear, what he wants to say to you. You, you understand what I'm saying? He, can, he just makes things happen. Listen to these words. Now, they may not mean anything to you, okay? They may not mean a thing to you. You may say, oh, I don't know, I don't get what that's all about. But to me, they were particularly special. I want to read them to you. This is one of the friends of Job who's replying to him and says, if someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? But who can keep from speaking? Think how many you have instructed. How many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words 
have supported those who stumble. You have strengthened faltering knees. But now trouble comes to you and you are discouraged. It strikes you and you are dismayed. Dismayed. Should not your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways your hope? And uh, I don't want to come across as being pious and and, and blameless, but or holier than now, but that just spoke to me, and he says, look, you've done things for other people. You've, you've, you've encouraged them. You've, you've dealt with them when they're going through hard times, so now I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to tell you what kind of, and then we sang that song, And I know everything's going to be all right. I don't know how. I just know. God is at work. Anybody else? Keith? I will receive that.
Debbie and Pam's father uh, went in the hospital uh, last weekend and uh, was then diagnosed with uh, uh, myeloid uh, leukemia. Uh, they believe that if he goes through rather rigorous treatment, it may go in, it has an 80% chance of going into, re, into re, remission. That's the way I was going to say regression, but remission. Um, then this, this week, just a couple of days ago, um, Ron's wife, Susan, was supposed to go in and have a stent put in her heart and they ran into some complications. Now, I have no further report to give you on that. That's all I've heard. Uh, she's gonna have, she has to have bypass surgery now. She cannot have the stent, and she will have bypass surgery tomorrow. So we're just gonna, uh, uh, we're gonna anoint Debbie and Pam in proxy for her dad and her stepmother, and, or their stepmother, and we're just going to believe that God, God is not only going to touch their bodies, but we're going to pray that he touches their heart because it will be of little value for them to be raised up just to go their own way and to do their own thing. But to be raised up and follow Christ is the difference. That's what, that's what matters. So we're going to pray to that end, okay? We're going to pray for both. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We just thank you so much that you have declared to us, I am the Lord God who heals. And Lord, we, we thank you that you're still in that business, that you're still doing it. You're still touching people's bodies. You certainly touch their lives and their hearts and you, and you bring about this, uh, th this healing in the soul that only can be accomplished through the blood of Jesus and the regeneration of the Spirit. But you also are healing bodies, and we just thank you and praise you for your goodness to us. So we come to you, and, and though we cannot at this moment reach out to Ron or to Susan, we, we anoint Pam with oil in the name of the Lord in proxy for them. We anoint Debbie with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, Father, there's no, there's no magic in this oil. There's really no power in the oil. There's no power in laying on of hands except for the fact that we do it in obedience to your word. And your word says to call for the elders of the church to anoint with oil and to lay hands and to pray and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And so at this moment, while we are gathered around trying our best, the best we know how to follow your word, we, we lay hands on them and we just ask you to, by the power of your spirit, number one, first and foremost, I pray that this experience will cause Ron and Susan to realize how badly they need to have a relationship with their Heavenly Father. That your Holy Spirit will bring a this gentle conviction that says, I, I need to follow Christ. Father, that can only come about if you call them. And then the Spirit will draw them to you, but He'll bring them to Jesus. And Jesus said, 
No man can come to the Father except through me. And we realize that. So we, we, your spirit will direct them to Jesus. We ask for that in the, in the name of Jesus. We know that we're praying in line with your will because you're not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And so then, Lord, we ask for a healing of their bodies, a strengthening of their bodies. Father, may by your Holy Spirit, may you filter out all the bad things that are in the blood that are causing this leukemia. May you cause the white blood cells to, to go back to where they should be. Father, will you, will you open the arteries and make them well so that Susan can function? We ask you for all of these things, Father, because your word tells us that if your word abides in us and we abide in you, we can ask what we will and it shall be done. So in accordance with your will, according to your word, we ask, we believe, we receive. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's, uh, we'll pray for the offering and then, so if you just bow your heads. Father, thank you. We just ask <coughs> that as we take this offering this morning, you will bless, you will bless it all, multiply it so that your kingdom can be expanded in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your, your presence here today. Now, Lord, we, we want to look into your word. Your word is powerful. I pray, Lord, that it will, that it will minister to our spirits, that it will cause us to follow you even closer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know that if you look at your, don't look at your watch. I know that if you look at your watch, you're going to see that it's almost, it's almost time to go. But I want to share a little bit with you from the Word. I will give you the Reader's Digest version of the sermon that I had planned. Um, 
Again, this was one of those, this was one of those uh, passages of Scripture that, I, that came to me uh, this week. And it was, again, one of those that I'm going, you know, everybody's heard this Scripture. Um, I don't know how I, how I want to come across. I don't know how, what the Lord wants me to say. And it really wasn't until, as a matter of fact, this morning I was, I was meditating on that and reading it and studying it and reading it again and everything else. And it actually came to the point where it was so late that I didn't even have time to put the verses on a PowerPoint. When I came in here this morning, I said to, to Tim, I said, I, I don't have a PowerPoint. He goes, well, I'll, I'll put it up on the screen if you just tell me where you're, where you're going to be. And I, and I say that because then later on, you know, the Lord showed me what he wanted me to, what he wanted to try to get across today. Now, in order to do the Reader's Digest version, I'm going to have to, you know, ab really abbreviate some of the reading of scriptures. I have a lot of scripture to read today. Somebody once said, somebody heard me preach one time, it was actually one of my one of my superiors, and he said to me, man, you really put a lot of scripture in your messages. My response to him was, it's better for them to hear God's word than mine. The Bible doesn't say, if I speak, it won't return void. It says, his word won't return void. And so I, I want to share this, I want to share this passage with you, and, and you'll find it familiar. Many of you will. It's the story of, of Solomon dedicating the temple after he has built the temple. Now, you know his father, David, had wanted to build the temple. But God had said to David, David, you're not the guy that I have. You're not the one that I want to build the temple, but I'm going to have your son do it. And so after Solomon became king, he began to build the temple and with all the building projects that were going on between the temple and his palace and a couple other houses and things like that, uh, the Bible seems to indicate that it took about 20 years for all of that to be accomplished. It's not exactly clear when the temple was finished and all of that, but it appears that after that period of 20 years is when the dedication took place. So it could have been that the temple was finished near the end of that time. It doesn't matter. What matters is that there came a point in time when the temple was finished and God um, and, and, and Solomon was about to, to start or to initiate the worship of God in the temple. So all the artifacts and the Ark of the Covenant and everything had to be brought from the tent of meeting and brought into the temple put into the Holy of Holies and all of that had to be up so that the worship of God could begin in the temple. And that was by no means a, a common thing. That was something that, that had to be done strictly according to, you know, when you moved the Ark of the Covenant, you had to do it a certain way. You had to use poles. You couldn't touch the Ark of the Covenant. It was just a, an amazing thing so that this this procession took place. The Bible says that the Ark of the Covenant was, was in the temple. And, and Solomon began to pray. And the Bible says that 
a cloud descended and came into the, into the temple, into the temple courts, to the point where the priests couldn't even do their functions because the cloud, the, the, the presence of God was there. And so they began the dedication of the temple. And the Bible says that Solomon had built a platform that was about seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, and about, I don't know, four and a half feet high. And he stood on that platform above the people. Now this is the king, the king of Israel. And the Bible says that he, he literally got down on his knees in front of the people and spread his hands toward heaven. And he began to pray. And his prayer is one of the longest prayers I've ever read, but I, I'd like you to... If you, if you have your Bibles, or Tim, you can put it up there. It's Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And here's what he says. He says, O Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth. We're in verse four, 14 of chapter 6. O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth. You have... You who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father, with your mouth. You have promised and with your hand you have fulfilled it as it is, as it is today. Now, Lord, the God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, the promises you made to him when you said, you shall never fail to have a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons are careful in all they do to walk before me according to my law, as you have done. And now, O Lord God of Israel, let your word that you promised your servant David come true. But will God really dwell on earth with men? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. O Lord my God, hear the cry, the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence. May your eyes be open toward this temple day and night, this place of which you said you would put your name there. May you hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. Hear the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. When a man wrongs his neighbor and is required to take an oath and he comes and swears the oath before your altar in this temple, then hear from heaven and act. Judge between your servants, repaying the guilty by bringing down on his own head what he has done. Declare the innocent not guilty and so establish his innocence. When your people Israel who have, have been defeated by an enemy because they have sinned against you, and when they turn back and confess your name, praying and making supplication before you in the in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land you gave them and their fathers. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you, and when they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you have afflicted them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel. 
Teach them the right way to live and send rain on the land to give your people you gave your people for an inheritance. When famine or plague comes to the land, or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, or when enemies besiege them in any of their cities, whatever disaster or disease may come, and when a prayer or plea is made by any of your people of Israel, each one aware of his afflictions and pains, spreading out his hands toward this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Forgive and deal with each man according to all he does, since you know his heart, for you alone know the hearts of men, so that they will fear you and walk in your ways all the time they live in the land you gave their fathers. As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people, Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and do whatever the foreigner asks of you, so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, and do your, as do your own people, and may know that this house I have built bears your name. When your people go to war against their enemies, wherever you send them, and when they pray to you toward this city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and give them over to the enemy who takes them captive to a land far away or near, and if they have a change of heart in that land where they are held captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captivity and say, we have sinned, we, are, we have done wrong and acted wickedly, and if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul in the land of their captivity where they are taken, and pray toward the land you gave their fathers, toward the city you have chosen, and toward the temple I have built for your name, then from heaven your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their pleas and uphold their cause, and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, my God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Now arise, O Lord God, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might, May your priests, O God, be clothed with salvation. May your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not reject your anointed one. Remember the great love promised to David, your servant. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good, his love endures forever. And then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. They offered 22,000 head of cattle and 120,000 sheep. I cannot even imagine. Now, they celebrated for seven days. And at the end of the seventh day, the Bible says on the 23rd day, on verse 10, on the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people to their homes, joyful and glad, in their in heart for the good things the Lord had done for David and Solomon and for his people Israel. 
When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying all that he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night. Now I want you to understand, this is at least a week after he prayed. It's at least a week after he prayed. The Lord appeared to Solomon. Here's what he said. And I'm not going to read the whole prayer. He said, I've heard your prayer. I heard it. I heard what you said. And I have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up heaven so there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. The verse, of course, that kept coming back to my mind was verse 14. We've heard that verse many, many times. We've, we've, we've looked at that verse and we've said, well, you know what? You know, we've got, there's a real, me- there's a real mess going on in our country. I've never seen anything like it in my 67 years. And I'm not here to, I'm not, I, I don't even want to get into the, into the politics end of it. We have a land that has been polluted. We have a, we have a land that has been polluted by the blood of the innocent. God talks about that in the Old Testament, about the land of Israel being polluted by the blood of innocence. We, we read this verse as, as God's people. We're, we're here. We, we've come into this place to worship the Lord. We've, we've gathered in His name. We have, we have sung praises to Him. We have prayed for one another. We have, and, and you, you may ask yourself, what is, what's the point of, of this verse of Scripture this morning? The point that I would like to make with you this morning about this verse of Scripture If we're going to be really honest with one another, and I'm not asking for confessions this morning, nor nor am I going to give one, but I'm simply going to say this. If we're really going to be honest with one another, we will have to admit that each of us, in some way or the other, we have allowed the things 
of the world and the attitude of the world and the ways of the world to creep into our lives. Which is, you know what? That's not, a, that's not a confession, that's just a statement of fact. That there is a, there is a constant onslaught of the ways of the world trying to infiltrate us and to get us to think and act in ways that are not in keeping with following Jesus and following him closely and being his disciple. We will probably get on this verse of scripture that appears in 2 John. And Tim, you don't have to go there. It's okay. But it appears in 2 John, 2 John chapter, I mean, I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. It says this, love not the world, neither the things of the, that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, it's not talking about loving your neighbor who's a, who's a pagan or unchurched or unsaved, unbeliever. It's not talking about that. It's talking about allowing the way the world thinks and the way the world does things to come in and begin to influence us in the way we think and the way we act. And all you have to do, listen, this is, this is a self-examination time. I can stand here and name things, but you know the interesting thing about what happens when you start to name things? What happens when you start to name things is, number one, I won't name anything that I'm doing. I won't name anything that, that's a problem with me. And the second thing is, is I begin to name things And this is, not a, this is not an accusation or judgment. This is just simply the way human nature works. As I begin to name things, if it doesn't apply to you, you'll start to think, man, I'm okay because he didn't name anything that impacts me. Or you'll think about other people and you'll say, oh yeah, boy, I hope that person was listening. This is a self-reflection time. This is a time when, when you you allow the Holy Spirit of God to come in and, and, to, and to reveal to you, Lord, how am I letting the world, how am I letting the influences of the world, how am I letting the thought process of the world, how am I letting all of these things, how am I letting them into my life, how are they impacting and keeping me? You see, because if you begin to listen to what the world says, you will never be led into places where your trust is without borders because you're thinking with a worldly mind. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with a, with a follower of Jesus falling on their face, humbling themselves and praying and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Are you perfect? Well, yes, I know you're, I know you're perfect positionally in Christ. But are you perfect? No, you're not perfect. 
Is, is God in the process of, is the Holy Spirit in the process in your life of transforming you and conforming you to the image of Jesus? Yes. Have you arrived yet? Then you're not perfect. It's that simple. So how is it then that somehow this verse escapes us? And it's, oh, it's something, that, it's something that someone else has to do. It's something the world has to do. That's not what he said. He said, if my people who are called by my name. Are you called by his name? I'm not going to break this whole verse down. I just simply, and, and go through every little thing. I just want you to understand that there, that there is always a time when you and I need to self-examine. We just need to, we just need to go before our Heavenly Father and we need to say to Him, Father, examine me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And if you find one, Father, show it to me. Tell me about it. I want to repent. I want to, I, want to, I want to change. I don't want that in my life. I don't want the world to creep in on me. I want to, I want to be able to follow Jesus. I want, to, I want you to take me to the point where my trust is without borders. I want you to get all, anything that is in any way or any shape, unbelief in my life. The marvelous thing about this is that it, that verse of Scripture is, if you, if you look at it and if you compare it, the whole concept of it is perfectly in line with 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. Or 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and will forgive us of our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I just let's just pray. Let's just pray. You can do this right where you're sitting. Just Father, examine my heart. Show me where the attitudes and the and the ways of the world are working their way into my life. If I let the ways of the world come in my life, then, the, then your love can't, can't be in me. If I in any way love the things of the world, then the love of the Father is not in me. 
Father, I want your love in me. Help me think like a follower of Jesus. Help me walk like a follower of Jesus. Show me where my where there's anything in me that displeases you. Father, I just pray for each and every person in this room. I pray, Lord, that at this small group, as a people of God, that we would humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. Knowing that you will hear from heaven, you will forgive our sins and you will heal our land. Father, I just want to I just want to pray for our for our land today. I should do this more often and I don't. But I pray for this country. I pray I pray for what it what it's going through right now. This isn't the country that I grew up in. It isn't the country that I was proud to be a part of and thankful that I was born into. We need an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. But Father, the point is, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit doesn't just need to happen out there it needs to happen in here in the life of every believer filled and empowered with the spirit of God focused on the things of God focused on the mission of God focused on what you have commissioned us to do so I pray Father that as your people humble themselves and pray as I humble myself and pray. And we will see an outpouring of your spirit and power in our lives to touch the lives of others with the gospel of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, for the, thank you for the ministries of this church. We'll pray for them in general this morning. We thank you for each one. We thank you for how they are touching the world and bringing to bear the kingdom of God in various places in this country and around the world. 
Thank you that you are always at work. Thank you for evidence of being at work. Take us from this place filled with hope, filled with power, filled with love, and may people see the light of Jesus in our eyes in the way we walk. In Jesus' name, amen.